and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between. He's your favorite Mexican-American Gemini from South Texas. It's Chibi. And she's the lipstick-loving Salvadorican from Brooklyn, New York. It's Rocky. And this is Words and Shit. The show where you get to know the person behind the poetry. Brought to you by Write Art Out. Well, hello there, Aris Keon. How are you, Chibi? I mean, we're hanging in there. I'm just, how, how are you? Listen, I'm, I'm having a very interesting day, trying to wind down, excited for this. Um, but it's been, it's been a week, to say the least. How are Ooh. you? To say the least, you know, I'm I'm excited. I have to I have to jump out ahead of this and just say thank you for being here. Obviously, you are not Rocky. Um, Rocky different, had <laughs> Rocky had to take the week off, you know, because work and life, and that's and that's absolutely valid. But thank you for jumping in here and being part of this conversation. So, to everybody watching at home, please help me welcome Aris Keon as our special guest host this week. So 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 glad to be here, honestly. <sighs> But yo, what a week it's been. Can we just, um, cause you're in Houston, uh, I'm in San Antonio. Can mm -hmm. we talk about the fuck shit? <laughs> that Texas is experiencing right now is, it's actually overwhelming. <laughs> like what, what uh, less than 7% of the population is vaccinated. Um, I've, I went through the statistics and it was just like, none of this makes sense. For those of you that haven't heard, upsetting greg abbott is literally saying yeah no masks just vibes <laughs> that's really the energy right. i i very disrespected as a texan we're literally not seeing like a ridiculous de decrease in covid so i'm just like mm. choices mm. choices 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 as they say i'm i'm not having it i'm not here for it um Never. and from what i've seen on the social medias nobody is yeah. like i i have just seen a huge outpouring of um of people against this and just voicing yeah. the fact that like this is dumb y'all yes and, um, I, and i really appreciate that there there's not this uh this kind of okay let's see what our politician no it's like you you serve me and this is what i would like and y'all are doing a terrible job at it and i i genuinely love that for us that's the only bright light yeah, and what I love about it is the outpour that we've also seen from the artistic community, right? Yeah. Uh, because for so long, art and activism has just kind of naturally yeah. come together as a Actually. thing. Yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. And, and we have this, um, I was kind of in my feels last week uh, because uh, I, an amazing activist for the arts uh, passed away, as well as a poet, um, Lawrence Ferlinghetti. Um, yeah. Aris, you and I were talking about this. And uh, for anybody that doesn't know, uh, Lawrence Ferlinghetti was a poet. He lived to be 101. So it's not like it was like, oh my God, out of nowhere. Like yeah. the man had lived his life. Time, you know. <laughs> and what a life, you know, he, I think one of the things that I know him most for is he opened the City Lights Bookshop out in San Francisco. Um, and that was the first bookshop in the entire country that was all paperback books to make it more accessible for people to actually buy books. Um, and then secondly, he famously published Allen Ginsberg collection, Howl and other poems. And because of that, he was put on trial for distribution of obscene material. 
Um, and it went through an entire court case and ultimately, and it got national attention. And ultimately what happened is that the courts decided that Howl and other poems, while it might be obscene, had redeeming social importance. So it paved the way for, uh, it was a huge freedom of speech yeah. uh, issue. It was a huge also issue in terms of um, the validity of yeah. queer spaces, you know, yeah. because if you haven't read Howl and other poems, is hella queer. It, it, okay. it is, it is, and it, it added validity to a lot of poets that um, have a lot of important things to say. People overlook poets as like a, a national figure, a national icon, a public icon that has a lot of, uh, just a lot of new information, new experiences to add, uh, new observations to add. So I'm very, very thankful uh, for all of the work that he he spearheaded for sure. Yeah, so it, it, it created these spaces, all of you with your erotic poems, you wouldn't be here <laughs> if it wasn't for right. It's, it's the trailblazer. It's the, it's the start. So it has me thinking a lot about the power of art and the way that it can impact society, especially right now when like shit's crazy. Like, who's someone that for you that you can think of that like you respect as an artist that has also kind of paved the way for artists and totally. fought for? Totally. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go contemporary. I'm gonna go real contemporary and think um, the first person that comes to my mind is Luis Gallo. Uh, right now in Houston, literally one of the greatest poets that I know, not just because of her work, but because of how she uses art as advocacy, as a way of thinking about how not just uh, random poets and people in the world, but like children, how they can use art to advocate for themselves, how they can use poetry mm -hmm. to speak for themselves. Um, she also, uh, tends to go out into different communities and teach things about abolition and um, how to how to how to do workshops and how just just giving back in all of the ways that she knows how and it's like poetry is a vehicle and so I'm gonna go mm. ahead and uh, to use it to, to bring as many people as I can my people along so yeah Lois Gallo poetry activism that's literally her bag literally her bag. I love that. And like you and I are no strangers to poetry as, as a form of activism or as a form of yeah. protest. Uh, you do a lot of work with mutual aid. You know, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like at least uh, me uh, and like four other poets that are just like, you know what? <laughs> we also write, but we see writing as a, as a means of uh, creating community. And if we're not giving back to our community, if we're not working with our community, then it's not doing it's not serving the purpose, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And of course you collaborating with whole, like hella artists, hella poets with Contra Texas Poets Speak Out. Literally. Yeah, that was that was the whole idea. It's like, I am frustrated at this at what's happening right now and I can't be the only one. So I'm, me and Rooster got together and we're like, we need to put our activism where our art is, you know? Yeah, and like right. reach out to people put this anthology together and just like let our voices be heard because like shit's fucked up and people need to know how we're feeling. And that's our job as poets yeah. is to document the emotion of the moment, not just yep. the news, right? And move people in a direction um, that, that better serves us as, exactly. as humanity. And to uh, see the nuances of that, to be like, oh, Texas poets, look at the range. <laughs> There's so yes. many ideas, opinions, thoughts going on, and you're gonna see all of it. <laughs> as many as we can stuff in one anthology. I think y'all did such an amazing job and I'm very thankful for that. I appreciate that. If you don't have your copy, go get your copy. But that is what brings me 
that's what makes me so excited about our feature today. Yes. Our oh, feature. Yes. Oh, our feature is storyteller, speaker, workshop leader, and performance artist Frequency is a black migrant non-binary humanoid who self-identifies as masculine off-center, femme adjacent, an auntie, and or pretty boy. Frequency... Yes. Frequency's work interrogates and occupies the in-between spaces of gender and geography while exploring the mundane nuances and stark contradictions of everyday existence. They have been featured in or written for The Independent, The New York Times, OK Africa, Upworthy, TEDx, For Harriet, Teen Vogue, Huffington Post, Everyday Feminism, and more. They also gave a TED Talk with nearly 1 million views that almost didn't get released. And maybe we'll get the tea on that today, y'all. <laughs> Show some love in the comments section for our, for our feature today, Frequency. <laughs> hello, 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 y'all. How are you doing? Good to have you, Frequency. It's so, so, so good to see you. That bio and period. I've never seen a mic drop as a bio like that. You better go off. Right. Frequency is like, thank you for reading my bio. Good night. <laughs> thank you. And uh, send my check to no. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, we're just super excited to have you. I, I, I haven't seen you since I don't know, what was it, like 2016, 2017? Like, it's been a minute, so I'm excited to just reconnect. As a guest host, I'll start us off with just a quick little check-in. Uh, how is your heart today? How's your spirit feeling? It's all right. We had a sunny day out here, and I feel like I feel, always feel better. No matter how I'm feeling, I always feel better when it's sunny outside. Um, I had to take a walk with a friend today, which was lovely, who I realized I hadn't seen in a year. Like that panoramic, like time warp just came into me. I was like, oh shit, friend, like you're, I have not felt your actual essence in a year. And this is, this is the life that we live now. So it was lovely. It also just really like bringing me back into the, the moment that we're in and alerting me to how I've been living in the moment. To yeah. the it's like, oh shit, now these moments have accumulated and here we are a year later. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's so valid. Anytime somebody asks me something like, when was the last time yada, 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 I'm like, a year and a half? No, no, two years and a half. I yeah. completely, that whole, all of 2020 just like happened, but didn't happen in my head. And it's keeping on happening. Like I be telling people, I'm like, as far as I'm concerned, we're still in 2020. And until we like readjust from whatever this period is, we are just going to be in 2020. Just extended 2020, 2020.2, however you want to call it, it's, it's 2020. Don't miss me with that 2021 shit, because I don't. <laughs> it's like, it's not quite there. I haven't seen no states otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm just going to go ahead and, and take a year off my life, because right. no, nothing nothing happened to us here. I mean, the universe took a year off. Why can't I? Fuck. That part. That part didn't count. It's not here. What are you talking about? <laughs> All right. Well, we always like to have our uh, audience get to know you a little bit before we jump into the poetry. So we're going to dive into a section we like to call speed dating. And so what we're going to do is ask you a series of questions and you feel free to answer as concisely or as elaborately as you feel the need to answer. Okay. I'm going to stop you right there and let you know that that's a setup because I don't do concise. So you just, we're just going to do <laughs> The only option you're going to offer me is concise because otherwise you're never going to get your feature. So <laughs> do what you need to do. This is about getting to know you. Okay. So if you, all right. So first question, 
what has been your favorite place to perform? You know, I really like performing back home in Kenya. Nice. Mm. It's, a, it's a different vibe performing at home and being like, oh, wow, like this is everyone I look at in the audience kind of looks like me. We just reflect each other in our foreheads and it's just wonderful to, <laughs> to have that happen in real time. I love that. I love that. Okay. Love that. That's beautiful. Okay. A question. Where's a place you feel most like yourself? in the ocean i really like being in the water and i feel like i mean this is not this is not special because i'm a human being and we're all part water but i'm part water so i really feel like a part of water when i'm in the water and also like the like the the reminder of just like the formidableness and the aliveness of the planet that the ocean gives like the constant motion um is more meditative to me than stillness mm. so yeah, I really feel like myself when I'm in the water. And also just like the sounds of it, the 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 roar of the ocean allows me to feel like I can roar back and it's not gonna be mad at me. It's like, yeah, I just anytime I'm in the water, I just be yelling and it's people walk by and they're like, What is happening? I'm like, Tell them! <laughs> I'm living my best life. <laughs> That feels good. No, that's real. I like the idea of like motion is like where we are most naturally fit. Like stillness, I don't think is necessarily meant for for all life forms. Like water moves, we move, period. I love that. And it works for some people, but it don't work for me. So mm. find me in the ocean talking that's shit. Bet, right. <laughs> <laughs> bet. All right. Um, what is your favorite dish? Yo. The first thing that came to mind was like, oh, my friend recently gave me this cup that I really like, but I really like your SMO. <laughs> <laughs> um, What's your ideal date? March 23rd. <laughs> <laughs> I have lost like all social coups in the year that I've been alone in my room. So, um, what's my. Real. Probably chapati, anything that goes with chapati. Chapati and dango, chapati and like. Skuma wiki, just and just anything with chapo or samosas. I just love, I just love mm -hmm. them. I'm craving Kenyan food so much that it's just not made by me. Um, <laughs> anything that's, my auntie makes, really. I was gonna say that's made by someone's auntie somewhere. Yes. <laughs> so if auntie Monica made it cool, bring it my way. If Auntie Damaris made it, like any of them, just bring it to me, ship it. <laughs> all the in all the containers, all the foil. I love that. Love exactly. it. Exactly. Okay, last question. Uh, what does your version of heaven or an afterlife look like? Oh, I don't know. Um, I would honestly hope I couldn't imagine it because it would be nothing of this fucking shit ass world that we in right now. You know what I mean? Like I would really want it to be a whole next world, parallel world type show. I'd be like, ah. Oh, Wow, thank God I had to went through Earth 2 trials and now I'm on like Galactica 74 and over here is just like, and I can't even articulate what it is because it has nothing to do with what I understand to be existence here, so. I love that, we don't even have the language for it. I don't even have the imagination for it. Cause if I did, I'm already like, ooh, who's working? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I am so for that. Okay, okay. So that was just that, that we just dip in the toes in the water right now. Okay, that was our quick little speed dating. Uh, we're going to transition, but before we do, for anybody that's watching at home, anybody in Facebook Landia or YouTubeville, uh, the comment section is there and it's for you. Okay. So use the comment section. This is your way to show some love. This is your way to interact. This is your way to ask your questions. If you got a question that you want to ask frequency, you drop it in the comment section. We ask it for you and they answer. It's that simple. Too easy. So use the comment section. All that being said, we're going to bounce out of here and hand the show over to you. If you could please just bless us with some poetry. Oh, poems. I do that sometimes. All right. All right, y'all. So I was asked to read like three to five poems, depending on their length. And I don't really time poems anymore. I really, the only reason I did was because we were in slam and slam be like penalizing you for that. So I put together um, four poems because that was just in between the numbers that they gave me. And that's, that's how we live in life right now. So these poems are all poems that I wrote um, in 2020. And yeah, I can just take you, I guess, on a journey through what quarantine, the journey that quarantine took me. Um, this first one, ooh, we'll go backwards in time. So this first one is written in November. And actually I started writing this one about four years ago and I really struggled. Uh, I heard this poem called, I want to dyke for president, right? And everyone was like, yeah, this poem's dope. And like, I also wanted to be like, yeah, this poem's dope. But some in me was like, pause like it's not it's not quite there and I didn't know what it was I had not quite like had the experiences that I've had today to be able to articulate them in this way but a line came to me after I heard that poem and the line was I don't want to dyke for president and that was it and that's like like poetry be like fucking with me sometimes because it just like sometimes a poem will come and it'll be done in like 20 minutes and this poem that first line came like four years ago and it got finished this November um, over the course of that four years, I would just like get a maybe a line here, paragraph, a little catchphrase, you know, turn of words here. And then I was invited by a friend just tagged in a post to be a part of this thing called 45 Lies campaign, which was calling the hip hop generation to, you know, use our voice as poets, as speakers, as rappers to to name the injustices of the, the 45th president in like 45 second segments. And something about it also sat off in a way that um, felt familiar in the same way that the I Want to Dyke for President poem did. And it was something about the ask of like writing, you know, four years after this person been president, right, finally like writing these poems, but like 45 seconds, it just, all of it just was not sitting well with me. And I couldn't articulate why until I sat down and what I put out actually was this poem that I had started writing four years ago. So I'll read you the original piece and then read you mine and then we'll head further back into 2020. So I want a dyke for president by Zoe Leonard. I want a dyke for president. I want a person with AIDS for president and I want a fag for vice president and I want someone with no health insurance and I want someone who grew up in a place where the earth is so saturated with toxic waste that they didn't have a choice about getting leukemia. I want a president that had an abortion at 16, and I want a candidate who isn't the lesser of two evils, and I want a president who lost their last lover to AIDS, who still sees that in their eyes, who still sees that in their eyes every time they lay down to rest, who held their lover in their arms and knew that they were dying. I want a president with no air conditioning, a president who has stood in line at the clinic, 
at the DMV, at the welfare office, and has been unemployed and laid off and sexually harassed and gay bashed and deported. I want someone who has spent the night in the tombs and had a cross burned on their lawn and survived rape. I want someone who has been in love and been hurt. Someone who respects sex, who has made mistakes and learned from them. I want a black woman for president. I want someone with bad teeth and an attitude, someone who has eaten that nasty hospital food, someone who cross-dresses and has done drugs and been in therapy. I want someone who has committed civil disobedience. And I want to know why this isn't possible. I want to know why we started learning somewhere down the line that a president is always a clown, always a John and never a hooker, always a boss and never a worker, always a liar, always a thief and never caught. And this piece is called One Through 45 Have Lied, 46 to 100 will be no different. It's in conversation with the poem, I want a dyke for president, and it was written for the 45 Lies campaign. Oh, silly humans, how quickly we forget. We who were once ruled by thrones and those who told us they were born to sit upon them. We the descendants of those who overthrew dynasties and decapitated dictators. Who are we in this moment to not remember how much we've already overcome? How dare we dream so small? No, I don't want another four years of Trump. I don't want any Republican for president, but I don't want any Democrats either. No Democrats, no dykes, no people who've been unemployed. I don't want a black woman in office, not Oprah, Ava, or even Michelle. No immigrants in the Oval. I don't care how many or which drugs they've done. I don't want a president at all. After all, what is a president but a small king? An emperor whose new clothes I cannot see an agreement that we made collectively, we can unmake just as easily. I pledge no allegiance to America just because white men defiled it with borders and called the results a country. I do not confuse dying to vote with dying for freedom, even though they meant the same thing at one time in history. I will not beg for a seat at a table whose legs are bent backs and we dine only on scarcity. I want us to dare to dream beyond the dictates of this dystopia, to admit that the ending we feared was coming came long ago and we have simply been living in its shadow. I want us to admit more than this being a failure from the start to say that America never was great and never can be. That sometimes, sometimes the rot is so deep in the root that a pruning does not breed possibility. That any hope for a harvest lies in the fields that we sprouted from being raised and re-sown entirely. And I wanna know why this isn't possible. I wanna know why we started learning somewhere down the line that a president is always needed, that a country is always needed, that the police are always needed, that any of this has ever been and will always be needed. And I wanna know how after slavery, genocide, colonialism, and all of the ways that they've renamed the taking, how in the world that they convinced us that they knew how to run one better than we did or do. And I know it's sometimes hard to imagine that all of us can truly get free, but I need you to believe that we already are. I need you to believe that we always have been, no matter the master or the monarch, but only if we dare to dream beyond what we could see, only if we understood that reskinning or regendering the beast would never change the rumbling in its belly. See, sometimes, sometimes I daydream I will live to see the day that a child is born so free they will hear this poem and wonder what the hell a president even is. And I believe that we can do it. And I accept that we will be ourselves in the doing. I accept that there will be disagreement that we will conflict as we unravel our imposed inhumanity, as we realize that we have less, less to learn than to unlearn as we remember our collective body. And I want to know why this isn't possible. I want to know why we started learning somewhere down the line that a president is always needed, that a country is always needed, that the police are always needed, that any of this has ever been and will always be needed. And I want to know how we were asked to write to one lie from one president in one poem as if the sum of this country's presidencies has been anything but an untruth. 45 lies, yes, 
but so did 44 and so will 46 and so will our writing if we do not speak to the entirety of this. Oh, silly writers, how quickly we forget. We who were once ruled by thrones and those who told us they were born to sit upon them. We the descendants of those who overthrew dynasties and decapitated dictators. Who are we in this moment to not remember how much we've already overcome? How dare we write so small? And this next one was written. I got some really cool homies out here in the world, like just doing and writing and just being amazing people. So this person I know uh, called Jessica Marie Johnson wrote this wonderful book called Wicked Flesh. Uh, let me actually get you the full title of it because you know these academics be they be titling their books very specifically for a reason. Um, it's called Wicked Flesh, Black Women, Intimacy and Freedom in the Atlantic World. And it's a really interesting text that like looks at the ways that black women um, and black femmes negotiated freedom under the container of unfreedom uh, that we know as the transatlantic slave trade. And it just, she asked me to read at her um, book launch. And I usually don't take commissioned works because like I don't, I'm not like a poetry on demand jukebox kind of poet. If I don't feel it, it doesn't work out. But I read her book and I was like, oh, this is, that was a lot of meditations on freedom in this. It really talked about the nuances, the complexities, the contradictions of it. Um, and I had a friend named Sherazar who we were taking part in this Black August haiku writing practice. And she wrote this poem that just went through the alphabet in haiku form. And I was like, I'm gonna write a poem like that one day. And I was like, oh. Today's that motherfucking day, so here we go. Uh, and this piece is called Lettering Freedom for Those of Wicked Flesh and Wayward Imaginations. One, freedom is audacious and audible, adorned and archipelagic. It is a constellation even if you're following a North Star. It is autonomy continuously articulated and affirmed, a practice of refusal, a null value that we fill with ourselves that is beyond violence, beyond healing from violence, beyond legal status, free status, all status and stratification, freedom beyond all status and stratification. Freedom is beyond permission. It is belief. It is birthright and death wish. It is birthing and granting yourself the wish of rebirth through death. It is beyond the laws of men and the times that created them. It is a belonging pact between our bones and blood to only be for those we choose and first to always choose ourselves. Freedom is contingent and contradictory. It changes over time and space, gender, bodies, and race. It is confounding and multiplicitous, contested yet conspicuous. It is carnal and caring, a colorful rainbow of experience, but mostly it is black and mostly it is maroon. Freedom claims you only as fiercely as you dare to claim it. It is defiant and directive, dangerously dialectic. It defies definition, is defined by redefinition. It exceeds manumission and control. It is both embodied and exists beyond the flesh. It is erotic and ephemeral, excessive yet always just enough. It is fugitive and fictive, fluid and fractal, a fractured future of possibilities, but it is a future nonetheless. Freedom is, freedom is, freedom is, freedom is freer than the meaning of free that man and even women find it is glorious and generous generational and god-given but only if we recognize we are the holiness that we seek freedom is horrifyingly unfamiliar it holds its boundaries firm and hops over borders like playthings freedom is individually sought and collectively gained it is intimacy scaled an inelegant indulging in the full span of humanity it is illicit and inescapable inevitable because it is internal freedom is freedom is freedom is freedom is more than justice it ain't no joke and neither is saying that you want it just make sure you never forget that freedom 
freedom has killed, that freedom kills, that freedom will kill, that freedom is a kaleidoscope of death and transmutation, a recalibration of being. It is mutable. It is mobility and metamorphosis on your own terms. More than escaping unfreedom, it is mine. It is me. It is not mine. It is ours. It is a one-way route to us. It is plural and past the promise of empire, a practice and a practical process, playful and pleasurably logical, but precarious when divorced from possibility. Freedom is remade, remixed, remembered, and regenerated through generations, reproduced the reproduction. It is rarely diplomatic, but is sweetly satisfying and self-possessed. It shows little concern for death as it shapeshifts into itself. It is transgressive and transcendent, tense and tender. It is the sovereign logic of self that is unruly and ungovernable, uneasy and uneven, unbearable if unpracticed. Freedom is an uneasy negotiation between sanity and imagination where you are unsure which one you want to win. It is volatile and violent, but freedom is always worth dying for knowing that any lesser life is simply a slower death. Freedom is those Freedom is those who care less for the words we use to describe it because they are living it. It is those that say, it is those they say have wicked flesh and wayward lives. It is the we, it is the Z, it is the you, it is the zenith of this failed project of inhumanity. Freedom is our zealous, formless pursuer, and it matters little whether or not it ever finds us. If we remember, it has always been us. Two, freedom knows my name. Freedom renamed me and continues to call, even when I'm not brave enough to answer especially when I'm not brave enough to answer. I know, I know it knows my name. I know it knows my name. I know it knows my name because it renamed me free. Oh, all right, what else was happening? Mm. Yeah, um, so this summer the world uh, the world's wound tore open again and it was like people were like oh my god did you know black people were dying and like experiencing violence in america and i was like i'm not fucking doing this with y'all in 2020 but apparently we were um and i was really challenged during that time because i the last time this this wound opened i was positioned differently um and my writing is always a reflection of what it is that i'm doing and what i was doing at that moment was not doing anything um and I found it just really difficult to write. And I was, uh, for the for first time in a while, like amongst all of my things, I'd been traveling and touring for like two to three years. And I was just unpacking. And sometime in like 2018, I started to make these stickers, um, which are usually like littering around, of course, they're nowhere to be found out. But they say a poem is a protest. And I used to be like, um, I used to not understand why I made the stickers. But it came to me one day, I just downloaded it in my mind and I was like, yo, this needs to, I just, it needs to be something that I actualize. And I think what happened was what I was negotiating in that moment with myself was figuring out how I wanted to show up um, in the world because I could not continue to show up in all of the different ways that I was. And I had to remind myself that that writing um, was a process of resistance as well. And so somewhere in the middle of the summers, I was renegotiating that like in real time. Um, I wrote this poem called The Poem is a Protest. And I was like, oh shit, now those stickers got relevance, bop. And it's still not finished yet, but we gonna keep reading it until I hear all of the places that it needs to be finished. So here you go for poem number three. It is called, oh wait, sorry. My camera is not where I'm looking, so, ah, oh, fuck. Whatever. It's called a poem is a protest. <laughs> One, a protest is more than bodies on the street. 
picking signs and hands, more than chanting down Babylon on megaphones and, stop, and setting cop cars, CVSs, and Wendy's on fire, although all of those should continue to be done. I've seen it to be the ones that cook for the centipede we become when we hit the streets and march forward as one body. Have we humans not always hungered for more than justice? I know parenting to be a protest when seven-year-old girls are being killed by SWAT teams on their grandmother's couches, when 12-year-old boys are being slaughtered in the park for play. I understand childbirth is proof we believe that we will win, that in the future our children will survive. Give thanks for all the parents who babysit, the aunties who stay at home to protect the progeny we will one day raise to continue the work we will not finish without all the unlearning we had to do first. It is the teachers who never needed a textbook to tell us our history. It is the ones who do even though the is the ones who do in the classrooms despite the spinelessness of the tattered books and the historians and, and the historians who whitewash them. It is the ones who pray and plead to it is the ones who pray and plead to spirit, who petition other worlds on our behalf, the one to break chains that we cannot see, the ones who have held us down generationally. It is the root workers and conjurers, the witches and the witch doctors, whose mere hands have brought forth a magic many of us have yet to recognize. It is the preachers who turn the pulpit into soapboxes, the ones who remember that God once flooded the entire earth out of rage and that the fire next time promised has been searing some of our skin for decades. Those who promise that, those who remember that Jesus was a table flipping Negro, which is why he needed to be resurrected in the first place. Place. See, all I know, all I know is our salvation is in our smiles, that resistance is in our rest, that black joy is the riot, is the revolution, is the new world we think we cannot imagine, but we are already living. Black joy is resistance, when every inhaled breath is considered theft, and every exhaled breath is considered pollution. It is the poet who remembers their calling, that remembers that every speaking is a spell, every stanza a small sphere, a shovel, a, sh a, shovel, a sword, or a sheath depending on how it's used. Every brick can be a bar or a bridge if used correctly, too. As for me, I will continue to sharpen my false fear until it kills as quickly as the sting of the bee. As for me, I will never stop speaking like I have swallowed the hive whole, no matter if the truth stings and swells my own tongue. As for me, I will never stop making honey with these hands. I will hold my, with these hands, I will use to hold my comrades in compassion. And... Where's the last poem? Oh, and then this last poem, so I tried to, again, I'm really not like a still person. I don't really do all that meditative. Like I meditate, but it's just not in stillness. Um, and there's this wonderful writer called Alexis Pauline Gums, who I just fucks heavy with her writing, her thinking, all this stuff. And she has a lot of offerings that she gives that are not writing, but are like in service of generating writing. And she has this one thing called the Black Feminist Breathing Chorus. It just takes these like, uh, texts from different black feminists and then you just do like a chanting meditative kind of thing and one day we were um, doing a Lucille Clifton chant and I just like after the meditation chanting thing I was like yeah I'm just going to Lucille Clifton Hall today um, and what I love about Lucille Clifton is just like her ability to be concise uh, like I said before I, concise and I are not friends we have mad beef like we just have never gotten along um, but I really like poets who are able to just like capture essences of things in, in these little things. So I one of the poem that I really read over and over and over that again, again that day, because I was dealing a lot with um, just remembering things that had been happening and being having people be angry with me for remembering the reality of my existence. Um, and then I came across this poem, uh, Why Some People Be Mad at Me Sometimes, which I just always love and it always comes back in the perfect moment. So this poem by Lucille Clifton, why some people be mad at me sometimes. They ask me to remember, but they want me to remember their memories and I keep on remembering mine.
And then I wrote my own version of it. When I really just sat and I was like, you know what? What have people been mad at me in my entire fucking life? And it was just like the most absurd shit that in the moment was really like heartbreaking and violent. But when you go back to it, you're just like, wow, this shit is actually just absurd. And if you're going to be mad, just, just stay mad. So I'll leave y'all with this poem, um, Why Some People Be Mad at Me Sometimes by Frequency. Because I'm fly. Because I'm free. Because I love like I expect you to love me back as fiercely. Because I don't argue if I don't care. Because I don't bullshit well. Because I don't take bullshit well. Because I dare to speak even if I'm unsure of my words. Because I never ask for your opinions. Because I don't pretend to care if you offer them. Because I got receipts. Because I'm the damn cashier. Because I've been a window shopper with a brick in my bag. Because I never ask for what I need. Because I always get it despite myself. Because I've always said cousin acts and that's exactly what I meant. Because I know that no is not a word, it is a sentence. Because I stopped screaming back as their throats went hoarse. Because I never cowered as their fingers formed fists. Because I won't be the woman they want me to be. Because I use whatever bathroom feels right, even if it don't feel safe. Because I pretend not to hear you by pointing to my earbuds when you can clearly see that my headphones aren't even plugged in. Because I win. Because I win. Because I lose. Because I lose and that doesn't stop me from winning. Because I've released myself from perfection. Because I've learned to answer only to my name. Because I've been wrong, but I know that wrong is not my name. Because I'm not the same person on and off the stage. Because I'm not the same lover as I am a performer. Because I love myself enough to know the difference. Because I love better than I fight. Because I'm a damn good fighter. Because I'm grateful and full of greatness. Because I keep just trying to be myself. Because I keep just becoming myself. Because I've always been myself. Because I'm pretty enough to take your boyfriend. Because I'm handsome enough to be your boyfriend. Because I'm free. Because I'm free. Because I'm free. Because I'm so damn free. I make other people see their chains. Cause I know we have nothing to lose but our chains, but our shame, but our smallness, but our fear. And sometimes, sometimes I'll be mad at my own full self. Cause I forget, I do not write these poems. I forget, I am these poems. I forget, I am this poem, even when I can't seem to remember the words. Come see. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. Three things. Three <laughs> things. <laughs> okay. One, I quit. <laughs> um, Why am I here? What am I doing? <laughs> two, your camera kept doing this thing where it just kept sliding down to where at the end of it, all we could see was your mouth. <gasps> and it was this like Samuel Beckett. Uh, Samuel Beckett has a play called Not I, where it's literally just the mouth speaking. And it was like this real surrealist moment of like, fuck everything else. All you need to see is these lips and these words. So it's I was here for it. Performance art, actually, I, I did that on purpose. I timed um, it so perfectly. I told y'all before, technology and I have been having a lot of these in extended 2020. So I apologize for that. And let me it's, know if it starts sliding and I'll just start slouching. Meet like, <laughs> it at the level. It's all good. And three... Alliteration is my favorite literary device. Your use of alliteration has my pecs percolating, okay? I was like, zing! Here for it. No, it's <laughs> The done. music, the music of it, ah, oh, and never losing sight of, 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 the, the, of the mission. Every poem felt like, like a spear. Ah, oh, I love, I love, I love. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate you. Just a bonfire on this on this screen, real quick. Oh, love it, love it, love it. Oh, thank you. I pre I'm either coming to poetry like poetry shows as a bonfire or like just a puddle of water. So y'all cut the fire tonight. Ooh, yes. range. We love range. <laughs>
That's duality. Look. <laughs> all over my face. That's all. <laughs> Yo. Okay. Well, um, Lord, where do you even begin? Eris, you, you you kick us off. I'm I'm try, I'm trying. I'm absorbing right yes, now. Yes, absolutely. Can we start with your amazing <laughs> first poem uh, after the uh, from the with the prompt of the forty five lies? I love that poem. I'm obsessed with that poem, and I too had the ideas that you were thinking of of like this doesn't sit right <laughs> with the first uh, with the first inspiration poem, which was. Uh, um, I think was exploring the questions that we were asking and just begged for more questions. So I'm glad you were thinking through those questions as well. Um, I'm thinking through what you were uh, exploring in that poem and I'm thinking about institutions and, and rigid structures like governments and corporations to things like binaries and traditions. I'm wondering what role does chaos plays and play and how do we navigate those systems? Oh, I'm so happy that you asked that. I love chaos like i think there is such promise and potential in chaos um and i say that because chaos is nothing but just like allowing things to be as they are right yeah. like i think nature is chaos and also nature is the most organized thing that we have mm -hmm. right there is a rhythm to chaos that is not there to when you organize things right organize things you put in them in place they exist as it is but are like then dependent on like the rigidity of it to be, whereas like chaos is continuously forming and recreating and shape-shifting itself in order to just be, and it accepts what it is, right? Like yeah. chaos is. Yeah. If you create something, then, the, then you're going through a process of maintenance as opposed to like chaos just being like being able to live in the reality of what is. So I'm somebody who I love chaos. And I really recently started getting into um, or re-getting back into collaging. And I don't know shit about collaging, but I named <laughs> myself a chaos collages because I just it's like shit will just be swirling around in my mind. And sometimes I don't have like the presence of mind to like sit and write a poem. And I'm like, no, that's okay. Just pull the images that are coming from the chaos and put them down. And then it becomes like, and I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I meant. I love that. And that absolutely uh, relates to your ideas of stillness of like, you know, maybe not stillness is, is good for me. And like, we can just go move with how things move and let's see how that rocks and it rocks with my body. So I'm doing, I love that. I love it. Mm. And everything that you're saying to me right now is is both I'm I'm living for it and also cringing for it because I, I am in, my kitchen is labeled, okay? <laughs> My cabinets are labeled. I, mm -hmm. I'm I'm very much a believer of everything in its place and a place for everything. But also, I'm a believer of shit's fucked up. Burn it all down and start again. Like, what what, what are we trying to do? Like, trying to maintain these these systems that clearly don't fucking work. Yeah. You know. And so, like you you mentioned, you had that poem. The uh, poetry is a form of protest. Uh, you've mentioned that a few times. You mentioned it in your TEDx talk. Um, so. You 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 talk about like what that means to you in your poem, but how how out yes people want that sticker by the way there there were comments <laughs> there were comments being like mail me that sticker, um, <clears throat> but how does that how does that manifest outside of the creation of art how does that manifest in your life specifically? Oh, I think this relates to the question. Um, 
uh, back to chaos too. Like I think poetry, at least what I understand to be poetry. I had a lot of beef with poetry in my twenties because like people would be like, you're a poet. And I'm like, okay, I'll try to poet. Then I would try to go do things in poet spaces and that would just be constantly rejected by them. And I was like, I guess I'm not a poet, which is fine. I don't think I'm a poet. I think I'm poetry. I think I move through the world mm. poetics as opposed to like this structure, this thing that we are told, this is how you poet. I don't yeah. do that. I can't do that. But I cannot, I, I'm a poem, I'm poetry in motion. That is what I sit and identify with. Um, and I think that has to also, again, do with like the, the idea of chaos and being able to like sit in that and find the rhythm and the beauty of it. Like that is what poetry is to me. Should we were saying earlier that like poets are not just here to like articulate to say this is what happened, that they're also to capture the moment and the essence of all of it. And I think that's not necessarily like a poet, that's poetry, that's poetics. Um, yeah. And so I think I don't, I've really struggled with and I stopped identifying as a poet and I identify myself as a storyteller. And I am a storyteller who engages in poetics and am a poem, but I, yeah, I'm not a poet. <laughs> fuck around with all that. You'll never, you will, I guarantee you, unless some shit happens. I mean, we in the, we in the twilight zone, so who knows, it might be okay. <laughs> but Frequency is not the poet that you're gonna see winning poetry awards because I'm not a poet, I'm a poet. No. Not winning poetry awards, but winning poetry slams all over the place. Um, but can I, <laughs> hey, hey, can I dive into that real quick though? Um, this, this idea of labels, because it's something that I've kind of been, to use the word again, percolating uh, with for for a while, and like you know, people asking like, I don't know if you identify this way. I don't mean to put a label on you. Like on one hand, I'm feeling like. Labels are necessary because they give a sense of community, but labels also exclude, you know? So like, where where do you, like, where do your thoughts land on this idea of like labels and I don't want to say boxes, but like labeling things essentially? Well, the first thing I'll say is that every time you say percolate, I'm going to do this. I think that's, <laughs> it's just a thing. So you should, you should say that a few more times. Um, and then the second thing that I'll say is that I have also, <laughs> clearly I was going through a lot of struggles in my 20s. Like nobody told me that 20s were just about struggling through shit and the 30s would be wonderful. You're like, oh, thank God, I'm over it. Um, Good to look forward to, thank you so much. <laughs> I know, Iris is the only one still in her 20s right now. <laughs> I'm trying to tell every 20 year old that I know, like you just make it through your 20s, don't. Whatever is happening, it will it will inform who you are and who you are not supposed to be, and all of yes. it is valuable information. Taking um, notes. <laughs> so but true. all right, I also what was I talking? What ask your question again? I'll be labels, here. labels. Oh, labels. <laughs> oh my goodness! So struggle with labels, you know, around gender identity, all of these things, because I felt like again, I'm I'm this thing that is constantly in motion, constantly in mm. process, and a label stops a process. Like you have to, in order to label something, you have to stop it, observe. Like you have to do that, and I was mm. like, I don't know if that is the way that I move. So what does it mean to label some to label myself as something partially out of convenience, not even partially, mostly out of convenience to others, right? Yeah. So that they mm -hmm. know how to locate and identify me. But honestly, sometimes by the time I give you my label, I've already moved from that location. And yeah. so for me, the only label that really felt like a home was fluidity. Right, because all fluidity tells you is that I'm in motion, is that you need to be checking in on where I'm at as opposed to telling you where I'm at. So the only label that I really fuck with and like allows me the freedom to exist continuously as myself, however it's articulated, is fluidity. 
So I'm like, when people are like, one day, what do you identify as? I'm like, identify as fluid. And they're like, what does that mean? And I'm like, great, follow up question. What is your actual question? Yeah. Your question isn't <laughs> yeah. What I, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. What is your question? What do I call you? Is your question, what pronouns would you like? What is the actual fucking question that you're asking? And do that work to like be brave enough to ask the fucking questions as opposed to having me do this whole like trying to figure out what the fuck I have to inform you about about right. myself in order to be addressed or labeled or whatever. And then also hit a point, um, and this has a lot to do with being um, a migrant who has a quote unquote difficult name, right? Mm. Um, where I was like, people have been misnaming me and mislabeling me my whole life. I don't know if there are people in this country outside of my family and like Kenyan community who even know how to say my name correctly. So I also began to be disinvested from people labeling me and like being valued and seen in how people were labeling me. And I became to, began to be a lot more curious about it, to be like, yeah. huh. What does the what people label me tell me about how they see me, how they're interpreting what I present myself as versus what I think I'm presenting myself? It all just became a whole bunch of like data collection and information for me because at the end of the day, like I don't know who the fuck I am. I don't really need the label that I give myself or anyone else gives myself in order to tell me that. Um, and I do think also that naming is different than labeling and naming is a very mm. important process, right? And again, as somebody who has been and is constantly misnamed my whole life or mispronounced my whole life, I think it was really easy to be like, to, to be able to let go um, of attachment to labels and attachment to being pronounced correctly, except by people who are actually invested in my personhood in the process of getting to know me in real time, as opposed to being like, I wanna know what your pronoun or your label is so that I can check off the PC box or check off the whatever, like the it's 2019 and I can't get away with this fuck shit box. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I respect that. I respect that. Uh, I love uh, ideas of, uh, the other spaces that we occupy, right? Um, you mentioned being Kenyan and operating in that space and thinking of the African diaspora in both your work, but also in your being. Um, I'm curious about, especially in this virtual arena, like thinking of 2020, how it's uh, pushed past ideas of borders and space. Um, how have your ideas of what borders and migra migration looks like, uh, how's that shifted in this past year in this virtual space in this new arena of we can be in boxes and also be in other people's homes and living rooms and all that sort of stuff. Um, I was say the moment you said Kenya, I just like reached for my Vaseline. Like I'm, I miss home right now. I'm just like constantly surrounded. <laughs> 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 Anything that reminds me of home. And I, it's been really difficult because I think this virtual thing has opened up a lot of possibility for connectivity mm -hmm. that was not necessarily there before. But what I know is somebody who migrated to this, not even like I migrated, like I was like, oh, I'm going to go to America. I was migrated to this country. <laughs> you and me both, friend. You and me both. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I didn't fill out my visa documents shit. Somebody else and all that shit. My so green card had a baby picture for 14 years. So all rosy cheek. Like that was just I was a mess. It was a mess. Um but now you got me thinking about my horrible green card photo. <laughs> but basically it, it was it was difficult because I only started, you know. My family wasn't like balling outrageous like that. Like we didn't have the money to be taking five people across the world 
You know what I'm saying? So I only went back to Kenya once um, in my process of growing up. And I left home when I was like 16, 17. So yeah, it was like I was picked up, sent over wherever, came back um, at that point. And it was just like, oh, what what is what is movement? What is personhood? What are all of these things? And I forgot your original question because now I'm just in my little immigrant feelings. Uh, no. But locate me there again and I'll answer it for you. No, me. of course. I was thinking about have your ideas of like oh, migration. Of yes. yeah. So it's been wonderful because the virtual world has actually expanded connectivity. But as somebody who like, that, that was the only way I was able to connect to home growing up. It's yeah. really hard right now to not be able to go home because yeah. I only started to, to go home to Kenya consistently in 2012. And that became a thing where I was like, oh, this makes me whole in a way that I didn't realize I was unwhole. And yeah. so I am going like it was the first thing that I was like saving up in my life to do consistently was every year before anything. The first thing I would save up for was just to go back to Kenya. Yeah. Um, and so it had become a rhythm and routine in my life where at this point I was spending, you know, before 2020, somewhere between two to four months of the year in Kenya. And 2020 was going to be the first year that I was actually going to start trying to live like a bi-continental model in like half of the year in Kenya, half of the year in the United States. And then the universe was like, what you thought was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> And so I've just been um, in New Orleans since. And yeah. Yeah, it's it's been difficult. And I don't think I realized how much I had like really settled into the in-between yeah. um, and into even movement and motion as, as a home thing for me until it was yeah. just no longer an option in ways that I had um, just been engaging with it semi-unconsciously because it had just become so much of the rhythm of my life. So. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And also, you know, we we're talking about stillness is a different kind of medicine too, yeah. other than motion. So this space that I've had, um, quarantine has been so fucked up in so many ways in like the grand ways and personal ways. Um, but I will say that I will always look back on this time and be very clear that I would never have been able to give myself this stillness that was yeah. imposed upon me yeah. during quarantine. So. Yeah. There's so much I want to unpack in that. Um, but to piggyback off of uh, what Eris was talking about in terms of, you know, this virtual space that we now have, um, you know, back in, as far as I could tell from doing research on the interwebs, uh, back in 2019, you started an organization, Baza uh, uh, Salti. And forgive me if I'm really Mexicanizing that name. You are, uh, but it's so wonderful. Just pause <laughs> uh, So it was originally created as a space, uh, a safe space for Kenyan women, poets, artists, writers uh, to come together and express themselves. But now in this virtual world, it seems to have grown into so much more, right? You know, you've, I've, I saw that you had a lot of stateside poets uh, featuring, you had Ayo on there, Ayo Kunle Falomo for anyone who doesn't know who Ayo is um, and, and so much more. So can you tell us a little bit about the impetus one to start that and and what's its role now? Like, what has it grown into? Ooh, okay. We can start with the origin story. You might have to remind me of part two of the question because the origin story would be a hot fucking mess. And it's only recently that I've really been like, you know, it's, it's actually time to start articulating this. Um, and it has to actually do with the shifting of worlds, right, that we were in. So 
Oh, hold on. Let me plug my phone in because it is telling me. Um, so Pasa Sauti was actually it was it was not supposed it was basically what happened is i went back to kenya right and this was in like 2017 remember i've been going back to kenya since about 2012 and i was just like kind of hanging out observing the scene trying to see what was good with it <laughs> y'all you know when you like spend money on technology and it's just like not as seen on tv <laughs> that's, that's what this stand is <laughs> You don't have to tell um, me. So let me find a way. Oh, well, we just gonna hold it. Oh, oh, we lost her. We lost her. That's all right. She gonna come back. She gonna come back. I'm real comfortable. I'm living for this conversation right now. I'm just gotta say. No, me too. And I, I, I get really excited about ideas where we're shifting radically. Ooh, I'm with mm -hmm. Yes. All right. Bring it back. <laughs> First of all, y'all thought I was playing when I told you I've become like technologically obsolete. But this, look, look at me. I'm just, I'm just somebody's grandmother right now. Just you're told, you're totally fine. And you know what the funniest thing is? We had Icon on this show last year, and she too was just like, I'm just, I'm just gonna hold my phone, and that's what we gonna do. And yeah. I love both of y'all. I love both of y'all. You know. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so origin so, story. So I had been just kind of hanging out in Kenya for a while and, you know, seeing different poetry scenes and started performing here and there. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm noticing there's not like a lot of space for people who are not men to be doing poetry and not just be like tokenized and being like, oh, it's, you know, it's 2017. You can't not have <laughs> a woman poet around type shit, you know? Um, and also realistically that like the, the, the most compelling poetry as I was hearing it was not coming from the male poets in Kenya. So I was like, huh, it's curious to me that this space isn't here, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'd been connecting with some folks, um, Lois actually, Paza Sauti actually originally began in Tanzania, it's Lois's project. Uh, and Paza Sauti is the Dar Youth Poetry Slam. And I was a feature there. And I was like, Lois, I'd love to do something like this back home in Kenya to just create space for people. And so we talked about having sibling programs. And so we did. So Paza Sauti was begun in Nairobi. Um, and at first it was just supposed to be, it was, it was not quite clear what it was gonna be. It was probably just gonna be another poetry festival. It wasn't specifically um, it was going to like center women, but it wasn't going to be so fiercely like, actually, this is what the fuck we're doing. Um, and then I went back to Kenya uh, in one of my trips uh, that, and I was trying to plan both this artist exchange um, as for part of this, this group that I do called New Orleanians. I was bringing artists from Nairobi to New Orleans. And I was also trying to connect with women poets from this scene called Slam Africa, which is really big in Kenya, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was meeting with one of the team members of Slam Africa and um, I had just won the Women of the World Poetry Slam. And it was like, there was all this like energy and momentum. And I was like, now feels like the time to like mm -hmm. do this shit, you know what I'm saying? And this person was like, yeah, I'm gonna connect you to all these people, da 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 da. And they just kind of were like being a little shady around, like it just, the connections weren't happening. And then we were like talking about the other projects. And I had this experience where I was just made to feel like we went on this like kind of retreat to be like planning this, uh, what's it called? The, the exchange, right? Mm. 
And in the middle of the retreat, I was just made to feel like so patronized and at some point just like unsafe. I was just like, you know what? I feel like I'm having that experience where all these alarms are going off in my mind and I'm trying to minimize in my head what's what's actually happening because that's how we socialize people who have been assigned female at birth. But I'm not I'm not fucking around with like trying to argue with this voice anymore. I'm just just I'm just not doing this, right? So I was just like, we're not we're done with this retreat. I'm going to go to bed. I went in. I just locked the door and I was just like, all right, bet when the sun comes up, I'm out. We're not doing yeah. this collaboration with this person. Just don't feel good. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So that happened. So I left the next one. Then that motherfucker sent me a series of text messages that was like, I was like, hey, why don't you just send me these people's contacts so that I can just do what it is that I came to do, which now it's like, I only got like two weeks left at home. I was supposed to be like training this person to like be Kenya's first act, like representative from Kenya was coming to Wowps. I was supposed to be training her. I hadn't seen her, like all, all of these things, you know? And the response that I get to like send me their numbers was like, Oh, actually, can I connect with you and this other uh, like champion that they'd had from Slam in a threesome? I mean, it was like, you know, I'd be questioning myself. I told you I'd be old as shit. I was like, is this some new lingo from the children? Like, what is a threesome? <laughs> My ass literally was like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> and this man, yo. Men are so audacious sometimes. I'm just like, wow. Literally was like broken down. And I was just like, the fuck is happening right now? Yo. Wow. And I was like, you know what I'm not going to do is if I can help it, right? Because there's other, again, I had this momentum of being the women of the world poetry slam champion, mm -hmm. right? And that came with a certain amount of clout and a certain amount of like social capital and power. So that when yeah. I walked into spaces, people were like, oh my God, frequency. I didn't even know people knew my name in Kenya. Once I won that title, people were like, I, everyone was like my fucking cousin. I was like, <laughs> For real. Perfect, right? And so I was like, bet, we're gonna use this momentum to just create the space where all of us can exist in the relative safety that I feel like I can exist in as a poet in Kenya because yeah. of my name and my title and my all of this. And so we pulled together like a listening session of just, we invited anyone who was a woman identified poet in Nairobi to just like come in and have a listening session and be like, what are your experiences? What have your experiences been? Because I also don't want to assume that just because it happened to me, like it happened right. to everybody, right? But of course it motherfucking was happening to everybody. And so mm -hmm. this space needs to be created and protected in a very particular kind of way. And that's yeah. how Paza Sauti became Paza Sauti, women of the word, being like, this is a space that we're going to center and protect this very specific majority that has come to, minority that has come together and said, we have a voice we have stories we do not have spaces to say them and because we also live in a in a country that is patriarchal traditional in sorts of ways like we also can't necessarily fight back and use our voices in the same way so it's also this moment of negotiating what it means to be a kenyan in kenya who also is american right in the ways yeah. that that negotiates me be able to move around in my freedom a little bit in my make my voice a little bit louder and be listened to a little bit more so really putting those things on the line is how Paza Sauti was created. And we've gone through a lot of different shifts and changes and metamorphosizing and figuring out what is our shape and our form. And so quarantine hit um, right as we had begun a new partnership to do this like open mic series that we were super excited about. I think we, we'd had one show and no, I think they, we, we, we announced the first show and then quarantine hit. 
And so we didn't even get to have the first show. And we were just kind of like devastated because it had taken, we had gone through like an internal review period and we're like, we're going to relaunch and da, 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 da. And then we sat as a team and we were like, nah, this doesn't have to be a moment of sadness. This can be a moment of possibility, right? Like yeah. what can we build in this time? How can we communicate and connect through poetry in a way that might not have been possible if we had just been able to do this open mic model? And at that time, uh, Susie Q, who just released a collection of poems called Poems for the End of the World, was releasing a series of poems on her Facebook called that, that were part of poems for the end of the world, right? And I was sitting in that moment of being like, yes, the world is ending and new worlds are emerging right now because we allowed this old world to end. And that's what I wanna focus on. It's not what was ending that Loki had been decaying and dying for a long ass motherfucking time, right? Absolutely. What is the worlds that are like present and becoming nascent and birthing right now in this moment? And how is poetry and language, you know, I've always been somebody who believes that words create worlds. So how do we give birth and create new worlds with our words? And so that's how Poems for the Start of the World, the series, uh, was conceptualized in conversation with the Paza Sawiti team. And then we partnered up with the Palm Wine Collective, um, which is Tolua's project. Um, and we hosted a series of uh, open my or like features and con very similar to this actually. Um, where we would like feature somebody and then just engage them in conversation and be like, what, yeah, what is, what is your poetry? How is this in your liberation toolkit? What does this do? Tell us about your work, your world, your context. And we made a deliberate decision because Kenya, Paza Sauti was a Kenyan project, right? Mm -hmm. It's one that was very specifically located in Nairobi, but now again, the possibility of the world opened up and we're talking about poems for the start of the world. And we were talking about uh, the concept of Africanness and the diaspora and the negotiation of the diaspora for Ruz, right? There yeah. being like not just one African diaspora, but like many generations of coming and remaking of blackness out there in the world. And yeah. so being like, let's engage in all those conversations on Africanness and blackness and becoming with people all over. And so the first thing that we did was we went around the African continent. Um, we went to South Africa, East Africa, North Africa, all those different places. And then we were like, great, let's go find the Africans who left the continent or who were taken from the continent and engage yeah. in conversation with them. And that's Wow. Yeah, poems for the start of the world. And it was it was wild because I don't think we realized it in real time, but it was a weekly show. So in the middle of quarantine, we ran a global weekly open mic. Wow. And I just want to like uplift the Paza Sauti team because like, <laughs> they did that shit. Like, yeah. And they're all archived um, on either the Paza Sauti Instagram page or the Palm Wine Collective page. So please, if you ever have a chance, go check them out because there's such rich conversation and dialogue just around uh, world building and world making in the process of art and writing and what roles they play mm -hmm. in that. Now, I know there's an Instagram, uh, but Paula is asking, is there a website or is the best place to just get information on it? Just the, the Instagram. Go to the Instagram. I'm in the process of making a website, but all my <laughs> tech keeps fucking up. Uh, is, uh, why would you ask and, a sensitive and, question, friend? And what's what's the uh, Instagram so I can uh, share it with everybody in the comments? At Paza Sauti underscore Kenya. Paza. I, I'm typing it. Um. <laughs> and pa Paza Sauti sounds like means women of the word. Oh no, Paza Sauti means raise your voice. Oh, raise your voice. Beautiful. Yes. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. There. Beautiful. 
Um, well, like raise the volume, raise the sound, raise the, yeah, just, just raise, raise, bump, bump it up. <laughs> that feels so good. And that's so uplifting and, and, and empowering, especially because of a movement that is meant to empower and amplify. So that is beautiful. Um, thinking of that as like a creative outlet and a creative space in which people can like navigate and be themselves. What new kind of creative ventures are you uh, exploring this year? Oh, well, like I said, I've been up and down. Uh, collage, I'm in my little collage, chaos, cottage. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, that, that's been really fun. I've also been exploring doing just like, I don't even know how to articulate it. Just kind of like doing the shit that I'd be doing, but with like more intention and like artistic flair and being like, that's art. Yep. And see who's second for me, who's gonna tell me it's not art. Right. right. <laughs> Right, who gonna who gonna who gonna fight me? Y'all can't tell me nothing. Who check it for you now, boy? It's twenty twenty for the rest for at least the next two years. So at least, <laughs> at least. Um, and I would like show you some, but I don't know how to flip the camera because I'm one hundred and seventy two years old. So just just take my word. And, I believe um, you. It is art. It is beautiful. I am excited. I am excited for you. Excellent. Some of them are behind me. If you just follow me on my Instagram, I'm gonna start posting some of the things. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, you know what, frequency? I think this has been uh this has been a phenomenal conversation. And I really feel like we got to like pull the curtain back and just take a look at like what what goes on, who really is frequency, you know, and get to know you uh, a lot more intimately, uh, your your process, your thoughts and everything. So like, thank you for this conversation. Uh, it has been a joy to just be a witness, uh, not just to this conversation, but to like your entire trajectory, right? So thank you, friend. Thank you for all that. Can you, thank you for can you please? This is, this is really wonderful, y'all. This has been so great. I always appreciate connecting with people and being like, look at the shit that you do. This talk show is one. I was watching Rudy's before this. And I was just like, oh, people out here doing shit. Okay. We do one thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's all, honestly, this was started. A, a little less than a year ago, just as a way to try and like keep the semblance of community in quarantine. So uh, now it feels more necessary than ever. So thank you for being a part of this and being a part of this community. Can you please close us out and bless us with one more poem? Oh, let me see. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, will my computer turn back on is the question. <laughs> All right, poems, poems, poems. What have I been writing? I'll give you a choice. Do you want to hear um, one like about a personal poem or a less personal poem? Uh, I'm just going to speak for the show itself and personal, duh. It's about getting to know the person behind the poetry. Give me personal. Okay. So this one I wrote, it doesn't have a title. It was written... <laughs> I started getting a lot better at labeling my poems and my archive too in Google Drive. It's changed my life. But this one was written on April 27, 2020. And it was written at like four in the morning. And it was just a moment where I was just like really missing the fuck out of my mom. Oh, and so I just like, I just wrote out my feelings and it's not necessarily edited, but you're gonna catch these feelings because that's frequency. All right, so letter to my mother. There are nights when all I want to do is collapse between my mother's knees. 
to cry as she rakes my scalp with the perfect pressure that only her fingertips seem to know. I want to tell her how big and cruel the world is, how it swallowed me whole and didn't even bother to spit out the bones for burial. I want to thank her for following her dreams, even if I had to choose between mine and a place to lay my head at night. I want to yell at her, ask her how a woman learned enough to teach, never learned to just listen. I want to cry into the soft bend of her arms, to sob so loud she can no longer deny my lonely and my longing. I want it to be ugly and inelegant. I want to tell her how many pillowcases I've watered like gardens as I've tried to sleep. How I wondered if these waters would ever grow into anything or just big enough to drown me. I want to tell her how I've learned to cry softly. How a lover once rolled awake at 3 a.m., recognized my muffled sounds as sirens and told, them, and told me they were more scared of me feeling than not. I want to tell her that sometimes I see only darkness, whether my eyelids are closed or not. I want to tell her so she can feel the heaviness of this sadness, so she knows to never again ask me if I'm okay, so she'll understand that I'm usually not, but for me, that has to be okay. I want to tell her that crying was never my weakness, that it was my superpower, that each tear was a cape hanging from my eyelashes, saving me from my own two hands and heavy heart. I want her to feel the heaviness of this sad, so she knows that she has to call me, so she knows that sometimes I just can't pick up the phone because she'll ask me how I am and I'll have to be honest in that moment, which means I'll have to be honest about so many moments that have led us to this place. And I want to stop hiding myself and my humanity from her the way she hid herself in her past. But I do not want to inherit her shame the same way I did her full tooth smile but sometimes I really am my mother's kid see sometimes all I want to say is I wish I could have been the daughter I think you wanted but instead I am this thing I am still birthing I gave myself the names I was once too reluctant to answer to boy depressed beautiful I want to introduce you to all of myself some who are literally dying to be held by you I wish I knew more about the woman you had to be so I could understand the woman that you are I wish I could tell you about the woman I thought I had to be and this person that I've chosen instead they say that all black people have an intimate relationship with their hairdressers and barbers. I wish so many things, but most often I find myself wishing that the salon between your knees was still a regular place I could go to have comfort scratched into my scalp. Common sense made so much sense when it came from you. Thank you for not saying I told you so when I finally shaved my head when I finally shaved my head to match yours after years of that creamy crack. Thank you for letting me go then so I could return now, even if the letting go was not gentle. I want to tell you that sometimes I still wish I could be the daughter that I imagine you want me to be, but I'm not. And I want to tell you that it'll be okay, but I'll be there sooner if I'm able to have you understand this and be by my side. I want you to shush me into a stillness that you quickly tap against my skin for support, to remind me I don't need to feel everything so deeply, but it's okay that I do. I want her to tell me again to choose my battle and transmute her love into my armor. I want to tell her that I still haven't forgotten her, that I still haven't forgiven her for not believing that I was both ready to die and ready to live, for not believing that my slow suicide had sped up and caught me by the throat. I want to tell her that sometimes when I I think of dying, I remember that my own mother called the first time I said I wanted to die a lie and that killed a part of me that I've never been able to bury. And now I am my own dead weight, a past self that I keep carrying forward into a future that has no place for it. And even though I sometimes dream about an apology I know I will never receive, I want her to know that I've already forgiven her. It is myself I'm learning how to forgive. And that's it. In the feels. In I the told fields. you. Oh, now y'all wanted a water show. You could have just asked. <laughs> <laughs>
I will take it. I will take it. Thank you once again. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us, sharing your work, sharing your story. Uh, for anyone that's interested in finding more information about you, I know we have it displayed on the screen, but but for anybody that's listening to the podcast, which drops tomorrow, um, can you please tell us where people can go to find more information about you and all that fun stuff? Yes, yes, yes. You can go on my website, which is www.frequencyspeaks.com. Frequency is always spelled with two E's because we're talking about freedom. And um, you can find me on the socials, I guess. My Instagram is Wonders and Suspenders, but if you search frequency spelled correctly, you'll also find me. And then, yeah, I don't know. I guess you could just Google me. Find me. I got a website. It'll take you to all the places. <laughs> there you go. And when she says spell correctly, she means with two E's. Thank you. Thank you so much, Frequency. Thank you so much. Sorry, I'm just these cameras, y'all. Thank thank you. I'm just gonna go because technology has defeated me. I was doing so well till I realized you couldn't even see my peace sign. So peace out, y'all. Thank you so much for inviting me. And I really enjoyed this experience. (laughs) Awesome. Oh man. Just I did not know I was going to be in my feelings today. The way we have explored not just family and relationships with, with, the, with the familiar, but also with the community and with radical disruption and with, with love of self, I am so thankful. I am thankful <laughs> I needed that. Mm, I know. It was, it was one of those things where like, like you said, I didn't. I didn't know I needed tonight's conversation, but I definitely did. I definitely did. We have a comment from the audience saying, "No words for how strong this affected me in such a positive way." Like, yeah, powerful, so powerful. It makes me want to reconsider how I move through spaces, how I approach my own writing. What am I offering? What am I? Uh, giving to my giving back to my community it's just so beautiful and so necessary a nice reminder of like what am I holding to myself and am I willing to move according to where I need to move it's just so beautiful Mm -hmm. and I just like I said at the beginning of the conversation I quit I quit like (laughs) I need to go back and just burn every book I've ever published and erase every poem and just rethink everything because like drawing board again just start from the beginning so good so good well let's uh thank some people and get get on out of here so first of all thank you to the audience uh for tuning in you guys have been fantastic and a brilliant part of the conversation so we always enjoy that's such a special part of this show is the live aspect of it so we love having you here and thank you to our production crew dominique taking care of all the digital things in the back and uh our uh theme show theme song theme song producer chris conde thank you for that Lovely, lovely. And if if you would love, as you are here, if you would love to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, the at is words and sh um, on Instagram and Twitter. We we would love to have you more followers, the better. Keep up with all the folks that are coming. Um, We would love, love to see you. And if this is your first time or if you've missed some episodes in the past, never you fear. We're on YouTube. You can go catch all the episodes if you want to watch them. Or we're also a podcast. The podcast always drops the Friday after the show. So you can go back and catch every episode. I think we're up to like 45. 
episodes. So come on, longevity. <laughs> go through, scroll on, because we have had phenomenal poets from both page and stage just coming through and just wrecking shit. So uh, follow us on uh, YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff so that we can continue to do this and spread the good word of poetry. Spread it. Spread it. And come back next week, uh, 7.30. We'll have an amazing guest for our next feature Thursday, March 11th. We'll have John Sands here. And of course, I will not be here. Rocky will be back, but I'm so thankful to be here and I'm so excited to listen out for our, the next feature and the next show is coming up. Y'all are wonderful. I was, I was gonna say thank you, Aris, for jumping in last minute and just like being a part of this conversation, a necessary part of the conversation. And y'all, John Sands. John Sands. Like if you don't know John Sands, you one, you should. And two, besides being a phenomenal poet, he's also like the nicest person you are ever <laughs> going to meet. Uh so I can't wait for that conversation. Until then, uh good night, y'all, and stay safe out there. Good night.